Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Sonos Fourth Quarter and Fiscal 2020 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Cameron McLaughlin, Vice President, Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome to Sonos fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 earnings conference call. I am Cameron McLaughlin, and with me today are Sonos CEO Patrick Spence and CFO Brittany Bagley. Before I hand it over to Patrick, I'd like to remind everyone that today's discussion will include forward-looking statements regarding future events and our future financial performance. These statements reflect our views as of today only and should not be, viewed, be considered as representing our views at any subsequent date. These statements are also subject to material risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from expectations reflected in the forward-looking statements. A discussion of these risk factors is fully detailed under the caption risk factors in our filings with the SEC. During this call, we will also refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures for information regarding our non-GAAP financials and the reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP measures, please refer to today's press release regarding our fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 results posted to the investor relations portion of our website. As a reminder, the press release, a supplemental earnings slide presentation, and conference call transcript will be available on our investor relations website at investors.sonos.com. I will now turn the call over to Patrick. Thanks, Cameron, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we ended fiscal 2020 on an exceptional note and delivered meaningfully ahead of our expectations. In light of the uncertainty and challenges presented throughout this past year, the entire team at Sonos has risen to the occasion and proven an ability to creatively adapt and persevere. I'm extremely proud of what our team has accomplished throughout fiscal 2020, and I am more energized than ever about our future. Before we get into the results, I wanted to take a step back and remind everyone of the business model that we've really built the whole company around. I believe we have hit an important inflection point that proves that our unique model delivers for both customers and investors. You'll recall that our approach has been to build a system of awesome products and services that deliver a whole home, and now beyond the home, audio experience, whether you start with one product, which is what most customers do, or start with many. This creates a virtuous cycle where customers return to add additional Sonos products to their home over time. Obviously, what's important in this model is that we're able to do two things. The first is that we show an ability to add new homes, and the second is that we get existing customers to add additional products. As challenging as 2020 has been for everyone, our model has proven resilient. In terms of attracting new customers, we just delivered the 15th year in a row where we've grown the number of homes we're in by 20% or more, ending this year with nearly 11 million households globally. Even with this strong growth in new homes, we continued to see 2.9 products per home in fiscal 2020. And when it comes to existing customers adding additional products, we have typically seen 35 to 40% of our annual product registrations coming from existing customers who are adding another Sonos product to their home. This year, it hit 41% as the launch of Move was a particular success with our existing customers. I believe we're at an inflection point in the fourth quarter because we are seeing the kind of free cash flow and adjusted EBITDA this model can deliver as it scales. In fiscal 2020, we delivered a record 8.2% adjusted EBITDA margin 
and that rises to 10.6% if you exclude tariffs. We are on track to deliver 12 to 14% adjusted EBITDA margins next year, which is ahead of our prior targets. We achieved our 15th consecutive year of revenue growth, and we are planning to accelerate revenue growth in fiscal 2021. We attribute the success to our business model that makes Sonos a system for your whole home, not just a single product solution, and to our consistent approach to innovative new products. Our new product launches are resonating with a record number of new customers, as well as with our existing customers who repurchased from us at a record rate. We remain committed to maintaining a relentless focus on innovation in our traditional hardware segment, and you'll see continued innovation and experimentation in services as we believe there's plenty of opportunity given our highly engaged customer base. For example, in April, we launched Sonos Radio, an ad-supported streaming radio service available free to all of our customers. On Sonos, radio represents nearly half of total listening time globally. Sonos Radio comes preloaded in the Sonos app, bringing all streaming radio into one place from the moment you set up, along with constantly refreshed mixes of new and original programming curated by Sonos. We've experienced early customer success, and Sonos Radio is now the fourth most listened to service on Sonos. We continue to, we continue to experience tremendous demand for our products in fiscal 2020. The strong man, demand has been especially notable for our newest products, Move, Arc, 1SL, Sub, Amp, and Port, and we saw demand exceed our expectations and our supply for five of our key products in the fourth quarter. We've made progress addressing the strong demand we are seeing, although we don't fully expect to catch up on demand for AMP and ARC specifically until next quarter. Our products continue to rank as the leading products in the premium home audio category in fiscal 2020. We've experienced particularly strong growth in our installer channel throughout fiscal 2020 and expect this channel to continue to be a strong contributor as we look forward. The Sonos brand is by far the leading choice amongst installer professionals, in fact, according to a 2020 CE Pro report of the brand sold by the top 100 installation professionals, Sonos is the leading brand in wireless speakers, soundbars, and subwoofers. Our 92% share in the wireless audio category among these industry professionals, according to the report, significantly outpaces our competitors and underscores the strength of our brand, the quality of our products, and our dominant competitive position in the categories we serve. Furthermore, our commitment to investing in product innovation and new capabilities continues to add to the strength of our intellectual property. We are on track to be granted close to 200 new patents in 2020, up from 147 granted in 2019. According to the most recent 1790 Analytics Patent Scorecard, which measures the strength of patent portfolios, Sonos ranked number three in the electronics category. Our gross margin expansion illustrates the value proposition of our products, and we are continuing to drive our product differentiation through investments organically and inorganically. As a premium audio platform, we exited fiscal 2020 with gross margin, excluding the effective tariffs, of 45.6%, an increase of 370 basis points from last year. We are getting more creative and more productive in our sales and marketing so that we can leverage our spend to deliver record new customers and continue building a powerful consumer brand. Sonos is delivering the profitability that we've been talking about since our IPO well in advance of when we thought we would actually achieve it. We are doing that while driving expected 13% revenue growth at the midpoint next year on a comparable 52-week basis. 
all of you know we've been focused on and investing in direct-to-consumer, and we've seen a significant acceleration in our direct-to-consumer channel in fiscal 2020. DTC revenue increased 84% year-over-year and represented a record 21% of total revenue. That's up from 12% last year. The investments we made in this channel and our marketing strategies positioned us to capture this opportunity and drive strong sales and margin even in the face of retail store closures during the year. According to a recent feature source report, only 25% of audio hardware owners in key markets said they were comfortable buying audio products online prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. But during the pandemic, this has increased to 63%. While some of that revenue may shift back to in-store, we believe a significant portion of sales will remain online and that our direct-to-consumer business will continue to represent a growing portion of revenue over time. As we look forward to fiscal 2021, we see tremendous momentum and opportunity and are focused on the following strategic priorities and strategies. First, continuing to deliver innovative new products and beginning to deliver more on the services side. Just last week, we introduced Sonos Radio HD, a new ad-free, high-definition streaming subscription tier of Sonos Radio for $7.99 a month. Sonos Radio HD features even more exclusive content directly in the Sonos app, now in lossless CD quality audio, the highest quality of any radio streaming service. With this new service, we focused on making one of our customers' most valued listening experiences, radio, easier and better. Radio HD exclusive content debuted with Dolly Parton and Songteller Radio. The new HD station will evolve with Dolly's hits, favorite artists, and special commentary on songs and moments throughout her career. Sonos Radio HD is a complimentary offering to the 100-plus streaming music services offered on our platform today, and we look forward to developing more direct paid relationships with our households over time. We are committed to launching at least two new products per year and are well on track as we look out at our fiscal 2021 product roadmap. As you know, we don't share details of the products we're working on for competitive reasons, but we're confident that these new products will resonate with customers regardless of whether COVID-19 has us spending more time at home or not. This confidence comes from the resilience we've seen in our business model and our customer base this year. Second, we will continue to focus on the expansion of our direct-to-consumer efforts and engaging even deeper with our customers. We are increasingly focused on direct distribution engagement to ensure we are delivering a great end-to-end experience for our customers. We have seen consumers are willing to engage and transact with a trusted brand like Sonos and expect that to only continue to increase over time. We will continue to efficiently evolve our marketing strategies, making our brand even more accessible and showcasing content and experiences. This fall, we launched an innovative, innovative, multifaceted strategic marketing campaign with Disney leading up to the widely anticipated premiere of the second season of The Mandalorian. As we spend more time at home, our living rooms have become a hub for entertainment, and we worked with Disney to provide an even more immersive experience for one of the best-sounding series streaming today. This campaign was an excellent example of two powerful brands coming together to promote their premium products and services to shared fans around the world. We are excited to share more insight into our evolving marketing strategies at our first investor day in March. Third, we will continue to strengthen and expand our partnerships. We've been pleased with the results of our IKEA partnership and the opportunity it has created to introduce new consumers to the Sonos brand and platform. We will look to continue to evolve our partnerships with IKEA and you should expect to see additional IKEA products launched next year. And finally, we remain focused on delivering sustainable, profitable growth 
and expanding our adjusted EBITDA margins. We believe that our leadership in the category, coupled with our strategies to drive accelerated direct-to-consumer growth, position us to deliver strong profit margins and cash flow going forward. Let me now turn the call over to Brittany to provide more details on our results and our outlook. Thank you, Patrick. Let me add some additional color on our strong fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 results and fiscal 2021 outlook. Starting with the fourth quarter, we significantly outperformed on both revenue and profit. Adjusted EBITDA increased dramatically to $46.4 million from a loss of $2.8 million last year. Excluding tariffs, adjusted EBITDA was $48.9 million. We delivered tremendous operating expense leverage and gross margin expansion during the quarter, culminating in a record 13.7% adjusted EBITDA margin. We were able to drive this performance through our impressive gross margin expansion and OPEX leverage. Gross margin increased 530 basis points to 47.5%. We were largely exempt from tariffs for the quarter, except for a rate of 7.5% on our component products in September and 25% on our accessories throughout the quarter, which are captured in our partner products and other revenue categories. These results show the underlying power of our margins driven by mix shifts into higher margin products and channels, product and material cost reductions, leverage on the higher sales volume, and no promotional activity during the quarter. Revenue in the fourth quarter increased 16% year over year to nearly $340 million, which was up 36% sequentially as we continued to experience strong demand for our new and existing products. As a reminder, we had an extra week in fiscal 2020, which hit in the fourth quarter, excluding the impact of this 14th week, which we believe contributed approximately 25 million during the quarter, revenue increased 7% year over year. Our direct-to-consumer channel increased 67% from the prior year which helped support both revenue and margin in the quarter. Turning now to our fiscal 2020 results, our outperformance in the fourth quarter, along with our restructuring, resulted in top-line growth and significantly higher profitability than we guided to at the beginning of the year. Adjusted EBITDA increased 22% to a record $109 million an adjusted EBITDA margin increased 120 basis points, a record 8.2%. As good as these numbers are, they still include $32 million in tariffs, of which we will receive a refund of approximately $30 million and largely mitigate the ongoing impact in fiscal 2021. Excluding tariffs, fiscal 2020 adjusted EBITDA would have been $141 million, or a 10.6% adjusted EBITDA margin. This profitability is meaningfully ahead of our original outlook of 5.3 to 5.9%, even on less revenue than expected. The revenue impact was a result of reduced retail partner orders from the effects of COVID-19 and demand outstripping supply. Despite this, the strong adjusted EBITDA margin performance resulted from gross margin expansion and OPEX control. And we delivered this while continuing to invest in our products. 
gross margin for the year increased 130 basis points to 43.1%. Excluding tariffs, gross margin increased 370 basis points to a record 45.6%, driven by mixed shifts into higher margin products and channels, along with ongoing material cost reductions. In fiscal 2020, we achieved our 15th consecutive year of revenue growth. We delivered 5% revenue growth, or 3% excluding the 53rd week, generating total revenue of $1.326 billion. As Patrick discussed, the continued strength in our business has been the result of successful new product launches, strong growth in new households, as well as increased repurchasing by our existing households. Direct-to-consumer revenue increased 84% and represented a record 21% of total revenue compared to 12% last year. The Americas grew at 11% and EMEA declined 3% or 2% on a constant currency basis, primarily stemming from a tougher market environment throughout the year. APAC increased 2% as IKEA slowed down ordering due to COVID-19 and their physical store closures. Sonos speaker revenue was up 3% year-over-year, driven by the launch of new products, but was also negatively impacted by reduced orders from our physical retail partners affected by COVID-19 and supply constraints as demand rebounded. Sonos system products revenue increased 17%, driven by the continued strength of our installer channel and component products AMP and PORT. Partner products and other revenue increased 12%, driven by the strength of our other products in this category. Our operating expenses for the year showed investment in R&D as we continue to support new products and customer experiences, including integrating the SNFs acquisition. We showed leverage across sales and marketing and G&A when you take into account the restructuring and new expenses. R&D, excluding restructuring and severance as a percentage of revenue, increased 220 basis points. Our software and consumer experience continues to differentiate our products, and in fiscal 2020, more than 50% of our R&D investment was allocated to software engineering. Sales and marketing, excluding restructuring and severance costs as a percentage of revenue, decreased 120 basis points. This was on top of a 420 basis point year-over-year decrease in fiscal 2019. We benefited from differentiated high-impact creatives and the adoption of more efficient direct-to-consumer marketing. GNA, excluding restructuring and severance IP litigation and transaction-related costs as a percentage of revenue, decreased 40 basis points in fiscal 2020, primarily due to leverage on the higher sales volume in the quarter. Our model continues to generate strong. We saw another significant increase this year. We generated cash flows from operating activities of $162 million and free cash flow of $129 million, up 32% from $97 million last year. We ended the year with $407 million in cash, which puts us in a strong position to invest organically in our business, pursue M&A, and return capital to shareholders through share repurchases. We completed the 50 million share repurchase authorization that our board approved in September 2019 at an average price of $13.18. We announced today that the board has authorized another $50 million share repurchase program. We continue to see significant value in our stock, particularly in light of our increased profitability, growth, and execution. We are confident in the earnings power of our models 
and believe that there are significant value creation opportunities that lie ahead. Now let's look ahead to what we expect to be an ex excellent fiscal 2021 with ongoing increases in profitability, a rebound in top line growth on the back of strong demand. While we remain cognizant of the uncertainty in the broader environment and with COVID-19, we are expecting a strong fiscal 2021 regardless with impressive adjusted EBITDA margin expansion as we reduce our exposure to tariffs and further scale our OPEX. Our fiscal 2021 outlook is for adjusted EBITDA in the range of 170 million to 205 million. This represents 12 to 14% adjusted EBITDA margins, an expansion of 380 to 580 basis points. This is significantly above prior expectations for fiscal 2021. This also excludes the impact of any refunded tariffs given the uncertainty of timing. Gross margin is expected to be in the range of 45.3% to 45.8% with minimal impact from tariffs. We have continued to make progress on diversifying our manufacturing and remain on track to have our full shift in Malaysia completed by the summer. As a result, we do not expect a meaningful tariff expense in fiscal 2021. We also expect to maintain our direct-to-consumer business at similar levels to fiscal 2020, despite our expectations that physical stores will remain open. In addition, we expect stable margins compared to fiscal 2020, as we see limited additional benefit in product or channel mix, offset by increased shipping and logistics costs. Total revenue for fiscal 2021 is expected to be in the range of $1.44 billion to $1.5 billion, which represents growth of 9-13%. Excluding the 53rd week from fiscal 2020, this represents growth of 11-15% to for the year. The stronger-than-expected guidance shows how well our business is performing as we look ahead to next year. Let me share some color now as it relates to the first quarter of fiscal 2021. While we don't give quarterly guidance, we thought it would be helpful to provide some additional information, especially given the supply chain constraints as demand has continued to outpace our expectations. We are investing in expedited air freight shipments in order to better meet the demand and have as much product available as possible in the first quarter. Even with that, as Patrick mentioned, we will continue to be low on stock for some key products in the first quarter. Accordingly, we anticipate that the first quarter of fiscal 2021 will contribute slightly less total revenue as a percentage of the total fiscal year compared to the first quarter of last year. We have also been expanding capacity in light of the demand and expect that by the end of the second quarter, we will be fully in stock across all our products. As you may know, many supply chain constraints are a broader industry-wide challenge and not unique to Sonos. We see impacts on everything from component availability to container availability and port congestion, as well as higher shipping and logistics costs, all of which we are actively working through. Operating expense is expected to be relatively consistent on a dollar basis as compared to the fourth quarter fiscal 2020 except for the increased sales and marketing investments typical in the first quarter. The first quarter is seasonally our highest promotional quarter. This, along with the fact we will continue to be exempt from the majority of tariffs through the first quarter, should result in a similar gross margin profile 
as the first course fiscal 2020 if you also excluded the tariff. The benefit of NICS is largely offset by the increased logistics costs in the quarter. We have factored all of this color into our annual revenue growth margin and adjusted EBITDA guidance and look forward to talking more about the quarter, our first quarter earnings call. As I reflect on our fiscal 2020, I am impressed by the resilience of our business model. Despite early challenges in physical retail, our products continue to resonate with both new and existing customers, and we launch incredibly successful new products. These will drive continued strong performance in fiscal 2021 and beyond. We did all of this while making some hard decisions to lower expenses, still investing in R&D for the future, and delivering record profitability and cash flow. Our strong growth, margin expansion, and significant increase in adjusted EBITDA for fiscal 2021 puts us in a position to continue to deliver profitability and growth. Our strong balance sheet will enable us to invest in the business and return capital through share repurchases. We have a stronger business than we did a year ago and a bright outlook. I'm very excited about executing on this in the next year. I'm also excited to share that we are planning a virtual investor event on March 9th. We will spend time on our strategies and reintroduce updated long-term financial targets. Be on the lookout for more details in the coming weeks. And with that, I would like to turn the call over to questions. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of John Babcock with Bank of America. Your line is open. Hey, good evening, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, starting out, I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the supply constraints that you guys are seeing. I mean, obviously, you know, I think different companies are seeing it in different ways, but I was wondering if you might be able to provide a little bit more color about, you know, what exactly is uh, impacting some of Pacifica. So I would say we continue to see demand outperform our expectations, which uh, continues to put pressure on our supply chain, even as we, uh, you know, increase our capacity. And then much like other companies in the industry, as I mentioned, we're seeing everything from challenges with component availability, container availability, congestion in port, to higher shipping and logistics costs. Yeah, thank you. And um, is there, uh, you know, obviously, like it, it looks like from the website that you have uh, pretty strong back orders on a couple of your products, and you mentioned that it's going to take a little while to, you know, get those back down to a normalized level. I was wondering, you know, given that, you know, if you could provide any sort of initial uh, color on sort of the holiday season demand that you're seeing so far, um, recognizing you might be able to, might not be able to say much, but just want to see what I might be able to get. I think the best guidance that we can give is that uh, due to the fact that we are constrained a bit on inventory, we're expecting Q1 revenue to be slightly lower as a percentage of total year revenue than what we saw last year. Um, but we are investing in things like air freight and doing everything we can to get as much supply into Q1 as we can. And then we do keep the website pretty updated in terms of shipping dates and, and how things are stretching out. Okay, thanks for that. And then uh, just last question before I turn it over, I was wondering if you could talk about the reception that you're seeing so far for the Sonos Radio HD. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think yeah. that it's 
Yeah, so we've just launched that one, uh, obviously, John, so uh, just last week. We're excited um, to really test our first in a new service out into the uh, out into the world, but uh, it is super early at this point. So, um, you know, we'll talk a little more about that at our first uh, investor day uh, coming up in March and kind of the way we're thinking about services. Uh, but we're excited about it um, and have seen a good uh, initial response and more to come on that. It's early days. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Katie Huberty with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Thank you. Congrats on a really strong quarter. Um, I wonder if we can come back to the holiday season and just hear how you're thinking about promotions, your retail partners, stocking inventory, and linearity of, of demand, which is typically pretty back and loaded in, in a December quarter. How is that different this year given what's expected to be more of a, a stretched out period of, of demand and, and more uh, more business going direct versus through retail partners? It's a great question. I think it's a lot of, um, you know, what you referenced, which is people are seeing the holiday quarter start a bit earlier this year. Um, we have, you know, relatively good visibility into the holiday quarter and demand from you know, both our retail partners and then with the increased direct-to-consumer business, what we're seeing on our own website. We ran our first promo last weekend on Move, so that was a bit earlier than we normally do, and I think that's, you know, that's consistent with what other partners and retailers are seeing. So I think you'll probably see, you know, uh, less back-end loading this Q1 than you have seen in other Q1s. And then as we think about fiscal 21, you know, I know you don't give specific quarterly guidance, but should we expect profits to continue to be concentrated in your first quarter, or do the strong fourth quarter 20 results set up as a precursor to smoothing out some of that earnings um, linearity that has been very fronted loaded in past years? Yeah, I mean, I think the best that uh, I can do is we, we gave a little bit of color on uh, both, you know, revenue, gross margin, and OPEX for Q1. So, uh, you know, any quarter where we have, you know, significantly higher revenue, you know, we do tend to have better flow through all the way down to EBITDA. But I think if you take, you know, the, the color and the shaping around Q1 and sort of flow it through the rest of the year, because everything we know about Q1 is factored into that guidance, um, you'll see that it's a it's a pretty nice increase in profitability for the whole year. Okay, great. And then just last question, should we think about you being able to lower sales and marketing expenses again in fiscal 21 or as you invest in direct-to-consumer and some of the retail channels open up again, um, will that return to year-on-year growth? Um. You know, we have guided to basically flat growth margins at the, the midpoint for 2021, and so you will see the EBITDA margin expansion coming from OPEX leverage. Okay, so we should think about R&D continuing to grow and, and really seeing significant leverage on the sales and marketing and G&A line again. 
We're not we're not calling the shape of OPEX for fiscal year 21, but you know you can see that because we're expanding EBITDA so nicely that we have to be getting leverage on our OPEX as we go through the year. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Your next question comes from the line of Rod Hall with Goldman Sachs. The line is open. Rod Hall with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Your next question comes from the line of Adam Tyndall with Raymond James. Your line is open. Thanks. Good afternoon, and, and congrats as well on the strong finish to the fiscal year. Patrick, I, I just wanted to start on the fiscal 21 plan where you're you know, balancing both growth and incremental profitability. Um, company is cash flow positive. You're in a net cash position. Just curious, why pursue further EBITDA margin expansion in fiscal 21 versus perhaps investing more heavily? I acknowledge that you're still planning for growth, but maybe just touch on the plans, different plans that you evaluated and why this is the right mix versus a more investment-heavy approach. Yeah, hey, Adam. Um, you know, it's been something we've talked about for a long time, as you know, which is this uh, philosophy of sustainable, profitable growth uh, as we approach it. And, and so, you know, there, there's often things, particularly in the hardware world, that companies do that sometimes, um, you know, can, can run for a quarter or two, and um, you can show good numbers for a quarter or two. But, but we believe in more sustainably building that and b building it in a consistent way, right? We've been at this 15 years now. Uh, we've really built our business, and we're showing the power of our model, you know, whether we've, you know, had to work through the Great Recession or through, um, you know, through uh, a pandemic, through competitors, you know, coming in and copying our intellectual property and coming into our category. And so we've, I think, found a good balance in terms of where we are, and we've hit a scale point where I believe that, um, we're doing um, what we can to drive uh, the kind of growth that makes sense for us as a company in terms of reaching these new customers um, and servicing our existing customers and really making sure we're doing that in a sustainable way. Um, you know, we will continue to look for opportunities where uh, we might want to invest more. Uh, we may want to make acquisitions, as Brittany talked about, too, um, to add to what we're doing as we go through that. And I think having the balance between what we're pursuing you know, on the revenue side and then as well on the profitability side enables us to do that and to do it in a way that builds the company for decades to come, you know, not just a quarter or two. That's, that's helpful. Thanks. And maybe as a follow-up, Brittany, on the fiscal one, uh, 21 plan on the gross margin line, I, I think you talked about it uh, expecting the flat year-over-year -year X tariffs. Um, as I think about the obvious kind of moving parts on a year-over-year -year basis, you know, fiscal 20 that you're comparing to had a, you know, obviously strong mix of highest ASP products that you're comparing to. Um, I think you're guiding DTC to the same level uh, in 21 versus 20, so not an incremental tailwind on go-to-market. You also have the Malaysia facility coming on board, and I don't know if there's maybe some incremental cost to that. So just, you know, thought about some, you know, a number of different headwinds. What are the good guys that keep gross margin flat year-over-year? Yeah, um you know, it would really be product mix. So, you know, we're carrying through a pretty nice product mix from uh, our fiscal year 20, as well as channel mix. Um, product mix can go up and down for us, depending on what products we have in the market, what's selling well, what new products we introduce. So that's always a balance and one of the main drivers in our gross margin. Um, but you've got product and you've got uh, channel being supportive of, of 
you know, consistent gross margins year over year. We're looking at it ex tariff, so we've really mitigated that as uh, a headwind to our gross margins. And then, as I said, we are expecting a bit of an increase in, you know, freight and logistics as we go, especially through Q1. Okay. Maybe just a quick housekeeping one for you. It's on the Q1 revenue comment, would, it, would revenue also decline year over year, or does that still grow year over year? Um, I, I would expect it still to grow year over year. You've got quite a bit of room to sort of take our comments about the revenue shaping and still end up with growth. That's helpful. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Matt Sheeran with Stiefel. Your line is open. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, and good afternoon. Um, just a, another question regarding your guidance uh, for the December quarter on revenue, which is you know, below the seasonality that you've seen in recent years due to the supply constraints uh, that you talked about. Uh, but does that also factor in um, uh, continued challenges within your retail um, channel customers because of COVID-related um, uh, uh, shutdowns, et cetera? And um, you know, what do you, how do you see that environment? And as we look to the March quarter, um, does that lessen the likelihood of some any inventory overhang that you typically have seen in the March quarter um, because of the retailers uh, in, in the December quarter? You know, we're not assuming a big shutdown of physical retail again, but what we saw as we went through the last wave was that our DTC business was really able to pick up the demand from that, and so that's how we're thinking about Q1. Um, and factoring in sort of everything we see right now from the retail landscape. Um, and, yes, give, given our inventory challenges right now, I really hope we're not talking about inventory overhang as we get into Q2. But if we were, it's because we really got our supply chain up and running and solved, solved some challenges. So. Okay, thank you. And, and then, um, Patrick, uh, regarding uh, the, the, the re early success of the, the radio um, Sonos Radio um, so far, and then moving that to um, a revenue-generating model. How should we think about, you know, your long-term strategy um, in terms of uh, generating revenue um, outside of the traditional hardware? Are you still sort of in the kicking the tires phase uh, on, on various projects um, um, before we start to see some traction, or what's, what's the thinking there? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I think it is very much, you know, we're past – kicking the tires, uh, but we're just getting started in terms of where we are. And uh, we, we've seen some promising engagement so far from customers on both uh, the ad-supported radio that we launched earlier this year and now Radio HD, uh, and we're learning. And so we're kind of taking that into account and, and trying to understand what customers like, um, what kind of experiences we can build that are unique to Sonos. Uh, and we've got, uh, you know, a bunch of ideas in this category, and um, I look forward to sharing a little more on that when we get together uh, in March for the Investor Day. Okay, and just a follow-up, is, is, are these initiatives a drag on margins right now, or is that just part of the, the investments, and at some point, you know, we, we see some margin expansion because, um, you know, they're, they're either uh, cash flow break-even or, or profitable? Probably early at this, too early at this point to, to say, but, you know, we, we're obviously investing in that, but that's all factored into uh, what you're seeing from an R&D investment level. Okay. Thank you. 
Yeah, man, I, I would just note that uh, when we do our March 9th Investor Day, we're going to be bringing back our long-term targets and updating them for, you know, everything we know right now. So that will be a good time to, to talk about growth margins beyond the fiscal year 21 guidance we're giving right now. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of Brent Till with Jeffries. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, it's a result uh, with, the, with profitability. You mentioned uh, the direct-to-consumer is doing very well, but when you look at the other factors that are helping drive the margin uh, profile going forward, can, can you just highlight where, where you think, you know, beyond DPC, what, uh, what, what other big drivers you're seeing that are helping uh, result in this, uh, you know, great uh, progress forward on the bottom line? Uh, product mix is the other one that we were calling out. So product mix is always a big driver for us of gross margin. Um, we've done some work in ongoing material cost reductions, and that's really what you're seeing coming through in addition to the channel mix. And is, is radio uh, in any of the revenue guidance, or is that excluded because it's too early to make a call? Uh, everything we know about all of our products is included in our fiscal year 21 guidance, but we do not break out anything for that one specifically because, as you can imagine, having just launched it, it's, it's um, pretty small. Great. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Rod Hall with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks for the chance again. Sorry about that earlier. Um, so nice quarter. I, I guess I wanted to ask about the fiscal 21 guidance and visibility and kind of maybe what you're assuming there, Brittany, when you give that guidance. Are you assuming steady state in terms of the economy? Do you assume a rebound? I mean, how do you think about that? And did you consider not giving guidance at all? And then I, I have a follow-up to that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great question. It's, it's sort of hard to have a crystal ball on – uh, the economy or the world right now. And so, um, you know, we always try and share when we know. We share what we can share. That's generally been our philosophy on guidance. That's why we gave guidance for Q4 when we could, and now we're giving you our best look at fiscal year 21. Our guidance is a little bit wider than we would normally give to take into account a bit of that uncertainty. But Q1 is also our largest quarter, and, you know, we can see what we can see on Q1 in terms of demand trends and, you know, the underlying demand for our products as we have looked at Q4 and then as we've looked at 21 is quite high. And it's really the success of, you know, ARC, AMP, MOVE, our new products, plus, you know, what we have coming for the year that gives us confidence to come out with a guidance range. Okay, thanks for that. And then I wanted to, on DTC, you're indicating a similar uh, percentage to this year at 21 next year, but you've had this, you know, obviously a move up because of COVID. But I'm just wondering, it, and your commentary earlier made it sound like you feel like that's a sustainable trend, and I think I agree with that. So I'm curious why that percentage doesn't go up in the guidance. You know, why not go ahead and increase it? Or do you feel like it's kind of, outpacing what it should be right now, and that's why you're holding it flat. 
you know, we had a big benefit in fiscal year 20 on DTC from the fact that physical retail was closed and uh, e-commerce and DTC was really the best available channel. So I think we're trying to be pretty balanced as we look at fiscal year 21 between the fact that consumers are getting more comfortable buying products online. We've been investing in our DTC channel. We've been deepening those relationships. Those are all the pros. I think the challenge is, you know, the physical retailers have also adapted. You know, they're doing curbside pickup and delivery, uh, and that continues to be an important channel for us. So we think being, you know, roughly flat year over year is a pretty nice result for our DTC business when, you know, we expect physical retail to be open and a strong partner in 21. Great. Okay. Thanks a lot. Your next question comes from the line of Elliot Alper with B.A. Davidson. Your line is open. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to follow up on the, the gross margin guidance. I guess what are the assumptions surrounding the promotional landscape um, for fiscal 21? And then kind of back to the DTC, kind of curious how, how that goes into forecasting and if there's any correlation you've seen between some of the retail openings um, in, in your DTC business by, by geography. So I would say on our Q1 shaping, we called for our gross margin, if you exclude tariffs, from you know, both periods to be fairly consistent year over year. So you can imagine that that means we're not doing any sort of big swings from a promotional standpoint one way or the other, given that type of consistency in our gross margins. And then, yes, we certainly looked pretty closely at our DTC business and how that continued to perform in Q4 when physical retail had largely reopened, and that's part of what's giving us, you know, the confidence in the 21 guide on DTC. Okay, great. And then, I guess, what, is the, what does the Disney partnership mean for Sonos and kind of what other similar partnerships uh, could that look like in the future? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, a great uh, one that shows our intent to, uh, you know, go to an even broader mainstream audience and be able to bring our products to uh, just an even, even wider array of people. We've seen, you know, we're seeing such trends and such tailwinds around um, streaming, uh, whether it be audio or video, and that plays right into what we're doing. And so, um, you know, we, we think based on what we've seen here and the kind of uh, ambition that we have in terms of other new homes we think we can get into. Um, we think this is an excellent way of doing it. Uh, we're obviously very selective in terms of the brands that we want to work with uh, around this, but I think it is one of those effective ways of getting even more leverage as well out of our uh, sales and marketing investments. So I'm very pleased with that and, uh, and look forward to doing more in the future. Great. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back over to Patrick Spence. Thanks, David, and thanks to all of you for joining. Uh, you know, as, uh, as I mentioned, I think we've hit a real inflection point in terms of our model. Um, our model is working. It's working uh, and has worked for 15 years in terms of getting us to this point, in terms of uh, really being resilient in the face of the pandemic, uh, and we're excited about what we have in store uh, for the next year. We're excited to share more of our strategic thinking as we get to that uh, March 9th Investor Day as well. Uh, and I just want to say a huge thank you to the entire Sonos team uh, for uh, what was delivering through a very challenging year, but uh, adapting 
and uh, being resilient in the face of everything that, uh, that we were challenged with. So uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.